0: welcome back to The Nigerian Filmmaker, a podcast for us to talk about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how it can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Sela Gott. On this episode, my guest is Regina Odalo. She's the producer of the award-winning coming-of-age film, Lost Cafe. She recently produced Urban Face Makeup Show, a reality show where upcoming talented makeup artists compete. We talk about her filmmaking origins the different responsibilities of the producer and her journey to making the lost cafe if you're a new listener you're welcome and i hope you enjoy hi regina you're welcome to the Nigeria filmmaker thank you so um can you introduce yourself
1: Okay, so I'm uh, I'm Regina Idu, formerly called Idu, and which is what a lot of people know me with. Um, but um, I'm now Regina Idu Udalo, and I am um, I'm a film producer. I choose to stick to being a film producer. Yeah. But of course, when I went to film school, I did study directing. I also know how to direct, but I feel like we don't have enough uh, female producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Nigerian industry slash African indo- uh, film industry. So that's why I also chose to stick to being just a producer. What would I say? <laughs> okay, I went to film school in uh, Joss. Yeah. So I went there and then when I finished, I also uh, did my master's in India, uh, which of course opened a lot of horizons into filmmaking, storytelling and all of that. Um yeah, but I currently reside in Norway but of course I still work um in Nigeria because I still do most of my productions back back in Nigeria.
0: Yeah. So um yeah, let's talk about your filmmaking background. How was it attending the National Film Institute in Jos?
1: Oh it was great. It was really um it was new. We were I think I was the in terms of degree they had diploma film and a lot of people had graduated from it. Yeah. but at the point when i came to know about the film institute uh we were the second batch of degree uh, students and at that time i think the film institute had opened it a bit yeah and so i came from a mass communication background so i did mass communication in um, university of Jos, and so that's how i got into film okay uh, and I know that man. when we went in film school, we really did go through a lot. I wouldn't lie, we, it, was, it was rigorous. It was really good. And I, I'm proud and I'm happy that we had that training because subsequently, when we got on set, it was the way that we had that kind of enriched training in school that made us to be able to survive. In, in the industry especially when we're coming out of film school you know there were just a few of us yeah it was difficult I wouldn't even lie and there there was already nollywood right and so whenever we went to look for jobs a lot of times people would tell us uh, oh these people where you say they come from film school they know it all that was mm-hmm. the yes that was the kind of reception we got. so it wasn't it wasn't like it was the easiest but still we had to look for ways to uh, you know survive right yeah Film school was good. I don't know how it is now. I hope that the kids are getting a better education, but we had it really good. Mm-hmm. And one of my best times in, in film school was, of course, whenever we had production workshops, right? Yeah. When you had to do the, the whole shoot and everything, and then postmortem, which was the craziest. You you know, we were scared to go for postmortem, but it was good because at that point, you knew that if you didn't do production, well, you had to go back home yeah. to set yeah but that was that was the kind of training we got and i felt that was really good because it made us uh, strive for excellence
0: yeah
1: but good memories good memories
0: yeah definitely i guess shortly after film school you you went on to work with the bbc um, on waiting day how how was it like you know getting the theory from school and then coming to work with like quite an experienced team how did that, you know, I guess, solidify what you guys were taught and kind of give you a, a different outlook on the industry? Hmm.
1: That's a very, very good question and very important one as well, because, um, like you rightly said, what we studied in school, even though it was so, they tried their like be- they, they, they tried their best to let us understand how you know film process, the yeah. filmmaking process is, but then it's obviously different when you get on the real set. I feel like this is not just uh, this is not just criticizing the 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 National Film Institute. Yeah. I feel it's all film schools. There are certain levels of information that you are we are not exposed to as students. Yeah. And then when you get on set, anyway, you you then say, "Oh my God, what happened here? What happened here?" You know. Uh, so it did prepare us in a way. But I think that the shock factor was still there, you know, like getting on set and seeing how huge and, and BBC set was really huge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, and um, one had to quickly adjust, but I think that is also one of the advantages of being, I would, this one I would even say being a Nigerian, you, you know, we, we quickly adjust to, to situations and to role yeah. very, very fast. Yeah. Um but it was good uh, being a uh, professional. In fact, I remember we met the, the British crew that came. They were, of course, all the heads of the department. Yeah. And they were shocked that we actually were professionals. Because from what their understanding, they were supposed to come and train some amateurs to to continue the, you know, the show after they left. Yeah. But when they came, luckily, uh, most of us who were on the set came from the film school. Institute, so they all they all were like, Wow, what they already know what to do, yeah. So, so that was good for us as well, right? Uh, but but it was it was a very uh, it was a shock uh, moment, and I'm happy you asked the question because I've always said, um, if I had an opportunity of talking to film students, I know what to tell them uh, because there's lots of things that you know you kind of feel protected and safe in film school, yeah, and when you come out you're now like released to the sharks and you you know if you're not careful you would actually lose your way
0: okay and um you're now a producer but looking at your credits you you were production coordinator on um a place in the stars and also Confusion nowa yes um can you talk a bit more about those experiences
1: Nice. Uh, (laughs) They're very very interesting memories. You really did, (laughs) really did do some digging. That's nice. (laughs) Um. So, like I said, I I I had done I had done um first assistant director on uh, waiting day eventually, and so. Um, in a way, because the, the set was big, right? We had about we were about one twenty total as crew. So as a first first AD, I was managing a crew of sixty, and then my my co my colleague Obina was doing the other sixty.
2: Yeah,
1: I guess that actually prepared me, because I never even knew that I could be a production coordinator. Which most times, you know, between production and co- coordinator and production manager, you know, the, the, the difference is very slim. It's not so much of a difference yeah. in, in of job description. And so I did do a place in the stars first, Yeah. Uh, which was really good. But uh, I, I had, uh, you know, the, the, the set was that we shot and after some time we, we had to leave and then someone else continued the the shoot but but when we shot we did shoot i I know we did shoot about 80 percent of it which was where i yeah i did the co-coordinator and that oh my god i won't even lie that set was crazy uh we had big stars which was uh you know on on waiting day we did we did have big stars but it was mixed because because it's drama and it's a series it was more about um getting the the uh, people who could really give the uh, performances, right? So you had a mixture of cast. Yeah. But on this other set, you had big stars. You had shagun Arinze, you had, uh, of course, Gideon Okeke, which uh, was supposed to be his first feature film, actually. Okay. Uh, in the so all of these people came and <laughs> it's overwhelming, right? But yeah. at the same time, as a you know, as a coordinator, what was important for me was to make sure that I was sticking, I was, I was, I was, um, sticking to it. And then Confucian Nowa was a bit easier, I would say, because, because, um, for this for Confucian Awai, we did have stars as well, but not as much. I mean, we had Alinu, of course, we had Ramsinua. Yeah. And but you also had the you know it was a bit like waiting the way you had the upcoming ones as well, which which gave room to that because it was about performance. Yeah. But I think already the set was also simpler. Um but I, I found it very enriching to work with the Lucas and at the same time work with Kennedyang. They they're both from Joss, right? Yeah. And they're they're both brilliant directors, but very different as well. I did learn a lot from these two sets. In fact, I remember very well that after Steve Gukas said, that's where I decided to go into producing um, because uh, Steve Gukas was producing um, a place in the stars. And I I saw so many things he did and so many other things that I thought, oh, okay, if he wasn't, if he was producing it, Or if, you know, he had some moments where there were, I feel like it's difficult to combine both um, directing and producing. There's such major, major, major roles that, you know, you needed really good assistance for you as a producer to stand strong. So that's where I learned a lot from him. And as a production coordinator, I was able to work, uh, like, I was really able to understand the role. Uh, working with him, um, yeah, but but very good sets. I enjoyed them and I'm super proud of the. I've never even sadly, I've never watched A Place in the Stars, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but I know what it was, I know the content, and I feel bad that you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't as famous as it was supposed to be, yeah, because it was, was really good, it was a really good um story,
0: yeah. So, in um, 2006, you got accepted to the Berlinali Talent Campus with your documentary, Omule. Mm. Um, How was that? Like, what was the Talent Campus all about?
1: Okay, so um, I don't know how it is now, but at that time, they literally had two categories, right? Either you you worked uh, on on a Berlinali team, which they would give uh, for the year, and then you shoot it or there was another segment you could get into the Berlinale, which was, uh, you sent your own film
2: yeah.
1: and if the film uh, matches, um, like for my own was under good editing and something, there was yeah. a, there was a specification. Yes. And then they would take you. And as of 2006, you didn't have many Nigerians that were going, I think we probably were the third or the fourth batch that yeah. was going to the Bellinale. Yes. After, like, um, I think people like Didi and Princess, Princess was also in film school. I remember her very well. I don't don't know where she is now, though, but she had, in fact, she went to Berlinale twice. Yeah. So when she came back, she gave the experience in school, in film school, that, oh, Berlinale, this is what you gain, da-da-da-da-da, right? So um, I didn't know, though, that I was going to be able to go to the Berlinale. What I understood because when I got when in 2006 I had just spent one year in film school. Yeah. But I had this burning desire that I had a good documentary story to tell, which was about the queen dance from my village. Yeah. And so I had a direct connection with the story, and I felt like this was a story that needed to be told anyway because. One of the things um, I started realizing at that time was we didn't know how to archive our stories, right? And through film, it's, it's, it's going to be an opportunity to archive, uh, you know, our tradition and our stories and our folklores. Yeah. So that was the angle I was looking at. So, of course, we went to shoot, we Kenneth. That's how Kenneth and, and my story started. And then we shot it, we went back. I remember we having sleepless nights uh-huh. to edit it out. You know, the usual stuff,
0: yeah. your
1: stuff crashed. crash, some of the footages we lost. <laughs> and eventually we got what we got for 17 minutes um, of that story. So we sent only one minute of it to the Bellinale and And then, when we got accepted, or when I got accepted, that's how we had the opportunity of showing the entire seventeen minutes during the screening. Um but that experience i wouldn't I wouldn't lie was um, you know, the very first time that everything became clear to me that I think this career part was what I was meant to do. yeah because we went there, we met with other brilliant filmmakers from all over the world. And obviously, as Africans, we were the smallest number of people, right, in the yeah. I don't know, maybe it still happens to now. You don't have too many people. Maybe now it's even better, right? But that time we had us and then one person from Ghana. And then it became clearer as well. How small our industry is and how important it was for us to really focus on also building the industry. Belnale was good. You know, you meet you meet all the great filmmakers around the world. Obviously, most of the people who came, I didn't know them. Mm -hmm. Kenneth knew, right? Because Kenneth had already done a diploma in film and he, you know, generally Kenneth is just uh, studies more. Yeah. And so when I went, for me, it was just normal. It was like, oh, okay so but what happens is for each of the different seminars you needed to pick which uh, seminar you wanted to attend and so that's where it became very important what we were picking right that would make like would help you develop more and then of course we had the they call it the Berlinale talent red carpet moment where we went with the we met the director of you meet the director of of the entire Berlinale film festival
2: okay
1: he addressed us and then we did the whole red carpet. We were many of us, right? So yeah. it's not like that red carpet was any special, but it was special because as you being among the crowd, it was special because you just talked about it. This is the same red carpet that you had all the major stars in the world walking. Yeah. And so it kind of gave you this moment of, man, I want to strive to get there too as a filmmaker. Yeah. And that was a good that was a good motivation. Yeah. yeah. I would of course advise anybody to go for Berlinale. I mean, even you too. Try your best and go. It's an experience that I know you would never forget.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I was talking with Emil and he mentioned how Lost Cafe started the idea started as a short film and then it grew into what it became like a feature film. So can you talk about the origins of um lost cafe
1: before going to the film school in india yeah i had uh, one year like a volunteer work in uh, in italy
0: yeah
1: and in this in italy where i went to it wasn't uh, anything relating to film it was more on the um religious side yeah yeah so you know i had to learn a language i had to learn italian and i was in a house where i was with uh, people from other parts of the world we (laughs) don't even kidding we nobody knew one word okay the people were there nobody could speak english which i was speaking
2: yeah
1: you had we had two girls from brazil so they were speaking portuguese we had one from hungary she was speaking hungarian we had one from portugal portuguese yeah (laughs) so I came from Nigeria and then um, the other one for us from Colombia and one from um, Uruguay. So just imagine that house, not one word of, okay, of course, the ones between the Portuguese could communicate, but there was also a rule in the house that we all had to learn Italian to be able to uh, communicate with each other. So I was in this house months without communicating with anybody. Can you imagine this frustration? So when I look at big and I actually laugh. Because big brother at least told, you speak PG, you know, speak English, you know. But just imagine you in the country, a new country, you can't communicate with anybody. We were using sign languages. And That's crazy. You couldn't really express yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you won't believe it. That was the fastest I've ever learned anything. I had to learn that language in one month <laughs> because there was no way of surviving it. Yeah. So when we, in that whole scenario, just at the end of the day, the year when I was there, I'm like, man, this will make a good story, because this is how, and um, but even the journey to go to Italy was also funny. At the airport in Nigeria, and they stopped me and say, ah, you they go, Niger- you they go Italy, and we won't go do this prostitution. Yeah, and that made me laugh. I asked the guy, I say, prostitution? How? If I be prostitute, I call, enter here, carry visa, enter plane, you go see me in the legal way. Doesn't mm. make sense, right? Yeah. So. I was delayed in the upper I almost missed my flight actually. But there, was, there were so many stumbling blocks on the way to Italy. And even when I came back and I thought, my goodness, this is just my experience. I can imagine other people's experience. So that's actually where the story started from. I was like, okay, how does one document these experiences of you living abroad, trying to understand someone's culture? Yeah. And you know how we are, we all feel like it's so, all rosy, it's all whatever. Yeah. So that's that's how yeah. So I then wrote the short script and then sent it to uh, Emil and yeah. then I'm like, Emil, what do you think of this? This is a short story, but I don't know what you think as this as a short story. Does it look like something we can make into a feature? Does it have its potential? And then of course Emil read everything. And the next thing he did was he sent me a treatment of how the future film could be. Yeah. And I'm like, what? This is interesting. So I'm like, okay, so that means it's a nice story. And then that's how the whole, um, obviously, the whole story started. It was, which I'm still really happy and proud that we managed to put The Lost Cafe.
2: Yeah.
1: Which obviously um, was the final title, but initially that wasn't the name of the film. Uh, the working title was, you know, we changed a lot. Yeah. Uh, and of course, initially, too, I wanted to shoot it in Italy. <laughs> and then. It wasn't possible to shoot in Italy. We then thought at some point, okay, let's go to Barcelona. In fine. Barcelona, this is I I went there for a recce. I actually did go for rec. The wrecking went really well. And uh, I found like I wouldn't even like the perfect locations. Yeah. Opted to today, I feel bad that we didn't shoot in Barcelona because it was too so beautiful. And then eventually and all of this was actually due to um funding right we didn't have funding we didn't have funding we didn't have funding
2: yeah
1: and then it was uh you know i was in Norway i'm like come to think of it this is a story that actually could be adapted to any country it doesn't have to be uh the specific country that i wrote the story with in mind
2: yeah
1: you know yeah but but that's it just my experiences of traveling out and and experiences of other people because some of the stories that some of the scenes too were written with this my friends I met in mine you know some of them one of them got missing at some point uh. and we were all scared we didn't know where she went to there was a whole panic you know and then the next thing she walks in she actually didn't realize that she, that we were panicking yeah and then she watches like what's going on why are you all looking scared and some people were even crying where did you go to no I just walked up to the mountains like me in my mouth like this will be crazy, huh? I'm, <laughs> I'm like, you can imagine in Nigeria you you everybody will be screaming like you they crazy. What's wrong yeah. with you, you know? But she just left, she didn't leave a message, she didn't say anything. Um, you know, but but also she had some health issues, so she needed time to time to go out and just be in the nature. But none of us understood all of that. We didn't know what she was going through, right? So all of these experiences were very good um, for me. And, you know, that's what formed uh, Lost Cafe.
0: Okay. I guess, like, there's this misconception about what producers do. So people think um, for the producer, the producer just kind of gathers everybody, pays money. Mm -hmm. But on Lost Cafe, Mm -hmm. it looked like it took a lot of effort because you guys work with Angénie from France. Um, Yeah. You also got some funding from Project Act Nollywood and yes. also some funding from Norway. Can you talk about how, you know, putting together this film, you know, shooting in two different continents, oh. how was that, putting that together as a producer?
1: Wow, that was hard. I won't even lie. And this was my very first feature film. I don't even know how, um, at the end of the day, we managed. Uh, but, you know, I remember <laughs> I remember the very last day we said it's a wrap, like rap for both Nigeria and Norway.
2: Yeah.
1: I just looked at <laughs> I looked at my husband and I went, how crazy how crazy can I be, right? To have yeah. even thought of starting this kind of project.
0: As your um, first project.
1: And as my first <laughs> as my, I mean, like seriously, people start with, you know, just shooting either at home or, you know, one country.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it wasn't planned it wasn't actually uh, when when I was even going through the whole process i didn't think of it from that point of view it was honestly after we finished the shoot that i realized the ambiguity of the project that just happened right and yeah. the candid the sponsorship we got project at nollywood uh 2015 i think or 20 or like we got the official whatever later and all of that
2: yeah
1: and as usual, it's not like they gave us the actual money we were looking for. They gave us <laughs> some part of the money, but in Norway, what really helped us was that um, they have some support. If you're shooting stories that had to that has to do with youth development, which our story was about, you're talking about a young person coming to Norway, you're talking about culture, yeah. and then they have all these incentives and and you know. So we got equipment for free in Norway, for example,
2: That's to nice. shoot
1: it. You know that's how we did screen. Then, then I was just I was just frank, my brother. I, I went, I did audition, I did I talked to crew people. I told them there's no money to shoot this film. If you want to be on the project, we would be more than happy. And that's how we shot it in Norway. People, the actors who came, the the crew members who came,
2: yeah,
1: because they just wanted to work. On, some of them came because they wanted to work on an international film. Um, some of them came because they just wanted to do film. Then locations we got in uh, where where we shot in Norway, they were just amazed that we were shooting an international film where we were living yeah. in Drammen, for example. And so, uh, I think the support we even got in terms of uh, getting was when we, the film was ready and we wanted to do the the premiere in Norway. Yeah. Then we got uh, local, the support from this uh, region to be able to do the premiere. And at that point, that's where um, you know we got more help we had the mayor coming for the premiere we had the ambassador the Norwegian ambassador to Nigeria
2: yeah
1: we had the the National Film Institute but you see the thing was the ambassador agreed to come and then and then sort of linked me up with the National Film Institute at the end of the day it became such a big what do you call it premiere
2: yeah. what,
1: what, what we weren't expecting and and it was you know the the reputation of uh, Nollywood yeah. People just know that, I oh, man, these Nigerians produce bad films. So when they watched this film, to be candid, Norwegians were shocked because they did not know. Even the actors were like, we don't know what to say. We were not expecting this kind of film. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, but I was grateful for... But the truth is, even producing it came from just being frank about production and just being, uh, like you said, just... Also using the, 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 okay, I'm a female producer. This has been my, my wish to shoot this film. And, you know, we they support female producers a lot. Yeah. So that helped a great deal. And then getting Anginos, Anginos was actually through another contact. You know, the, the guy who does Nollywood Week uh, uh, Paris. Yeah. And that is uh, Serge. And so um, through Serge, we were, get, we were able to get Anginos to be candid. I didn't even know how huge Angelox was until we got those. Le- when I went to get the lenses,
0: very huge lenses. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I fear. i do not gonna lie, to you. So I was so scared because Kenneth, Kenneth was the one uh, uh, who introduced me to Serge, and I was speaking to this group of people in a in a in a meal. But you know, it didn't even cross my mind that this was how huge this was, right? Yeah. The, the the things came to Norway. Then I received it. And then okay, so when I started perceiving it, the whole custom process, they were like, Oh, is this are you buying this? Are you doing the I'm like, No, I'm not buying it. It's been you know, it's been sent to us to shoot our film for free.
2: Yeah.
1: Or you know, and Norway and yeah, the tax and everything that was involved. So that's at that process, that's when I started understanding, okay, what kind of lenses am I expecting? Mm-hmm. When the box finally arrived and I saw the lenses. Even I got scared. You should see the way I was protecting this, thing. I said, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: Because I was like, okay, now I understand the, the, you know, this is here. But I would not even, I, I mean, I'm really grateful. Uh, to, to be candid, this was the best collaboration ever. And when I keep telling people that producing or, like you say, shooting a film is not based on how intelligent you are or how. It is your contact. Yeah. And it is your. Relationship with people that actually makes you get a successful film. This wouldn't have been possible without all of us being having these different contacts from these people, and you know. So of course, you know, there's that whole uh, trying to make sure that set goes well.
2: Yeah. If I want,
1: to, I will tell you a secret here. Actually, we in all our interviews we've never mentioned it. In Norway,
0: okay. yeah,
1: when we eventually shot the film. We were only four crew members that shot the entire film for 12 days.
0: That's crazy. A lot.
1: Well, nobody knows this yeah. because what happened was when we were supposed to shoot the film was in July when it was holiday in Norway. And so those crew members were going to come and shoot in July.
2: Yeah.
1: But Kennedy didn't get visa. And so we had to move the shoot to August. And at that time, people had gone, th- gone back to work. Yeah, and you know, even though you're a filmmaker, some people do, you know, professional filmmaking. They survive on that, but most people also have daily jobs, and then they do film by the side. Yeah. So all those people who had agreed to come couldn't come anymore because they had to go to their daily jobs, and that's how. <laughs> that's how we were left with four people who managed to push. You know, we managed to push it through. It was crazy, but I'm I'm very appreciative. I learned a lot, really, really.
0: Okay. What would you say are kind of the core pillars of producing? What do you have to know to you know get it right when you're producing film or documentaries or any creative project?
1: Hmm. Um, personally, I think you you have to get your pre-production right. I feel like um, film film process is a is a chain reaction. Yeah. You know, if, it's not only about you know you can say oh I have a good film. But mm-hmm. the great film will only happen after you've edited. People forget that, okay, after you have shot, so there's still the editing part. Yeah. And at your editing desk also, your story can change completely from what you shot or from even the scripts. You yeah. never really. So I feel pre-production is key to everything. The, the way you, and when I mean by pre-production, I'm not just talking about you calling several meetings, but you need to have a connect with your crew. Yeah. If you don't have a good connect with your crew, if people don't understand what you are thinking, what your vision is for this film as a producer, um, I think it's a big waste because at the end of the day, people can get on set, you can spend all those millions, and the film still comes out, and you're wondering, what did you do? I feel that... um, In fact, when I heard the new terminology, creative producer, I I completely agree with that term, calling someone creative producer, because that's what I... I am because I I am even I am from the not just me coming up with the story but even if a script writer writes a story for me I'm from the stage of scripting to the finished product I'm that involved yeah I mean your 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 crew too gets confidence when they know that you the producer understands what you're doing. You know the story. You know you know I can be uncertain that they're shooting something like no but this is not how this is supposed to be and the crew people get you know see that and get more confident. Yeah. So you I would say confidence i would say you know your pre-production needs to be right. You need to have a good connect with your crew members, you know, as points. And to be candid with you let your crew be comfortable. I feel like for me, what really helped me so far, uh, because apart from Lost Cafe, I've also done a reality show. sorry, makeup reality show.
2: Yeah.
1: And my brother, if I knew what the reality show would be like in terms of all the detailing that goes into that, I probably wouldn't have started it. But then I've gotten in and I can't go out, right? Yeah. Too uh, late. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I realized that helped us a lot.
2: Yeah.
1: We took a long time planning for this, which was the whole pre-production. But you see, what I did was I sold the concept to my crew so passionately that, you know, when we were all set, even when we were all suffering and, and trying to figure out, but everybody was doing it together. Everybody felt this was their production. Everybody took it like, we needed this to complete. And that yeah. was the same. Yes. So for me, that is, uh, I don't know if this works for everybody, but in this way, um. I manage my production as if I'm talking to it's my home, right? Yeah. And so, I feel, you should see me or say, I feel so compassionate. If, if somebody is unhappy, you see me trying to figure out what do I do? You know, that is how, from that point of view that I and, but then at the end of the day, I also find that, that uh, truly your crew, your crew is your crew is actually is actually very important. Yeah. I'm not saying the cast aren't true, but for me, my crew is actually more important than my cast, to be candid if I don't take care of my crew, then I know that my production is messed up. And I was a crew member myself, so I can understand very well how, how the crew member feels, right? Yeah. So uh, I treat them equally on set. I don't do cook food for cars separately from crew, no way. What is good for the goods is also good for the Gandhi. You yeah. need to understand that if your DOP is sad, it translates to you, the pictures that you see. Yeah. Just as well as your your cast is sad, it also translates to the finished product, how they react on screen. So it's going to be, for me, it's like, you know, it's just the same. So I I would ask people coming into the industry that they should think very well, being a producer, what is their goal? What do they really want to achieve as producers? That would also help them understand what angle that they can approach producing.
0: Yeah also the job of the producer to think of this production as as a business you know so you you think about pre-production the story you shoot it you edit it then it gets to time to um, distribute distribute, market it for the world to see it um what have you learned
1: from that end of the business my brother i learned it the hard way, man i'm not saying that every part of production was but i think distribution shocked me the most like Man. (laughs) Oh, jeez, It was hard. It was really hard with Lost Cafe and also with Urban Face. Yeah. It was, as a newcomer, nobody gives you a chance. Nobody gives you a chance. Yeah. You have to figure out, to be candid, my new slogan now is think distribution before you even think story. That is the truth you have to figure out where you want to put this production or the story when it comes out Where, which who are your target audience if you figure that out then go ahead and start your story it's not even shoot yeah. it's from story because what I found out was I never knew for example that when we finished shooting Lost Cafe they would not want to show it in the cinemas I never expected that the Lost Cafe would have more distribution opportunities outside of Nigeria when I made the film I felt this film was for Nigerians Yeah. so I was hugely disappointed and, and sad at the same time that a lot of Nigerians haven't watched the story. You know, because it wasn't just the cinema. It was also when I tried to put it on, on regular channels like Africa Magic and others. Yeah. Just one movie yeah, or another. And then, obviously, you begin to find out, oh, no, you're not in this group of people, so your film is not going to be distributed. Oh, no, your story is this, that, And then I'm like, okay. But then what did that help me do? I then found out. That, you know we also think one-dimensional when we think of distribution uh-huh. we actually started doing little screenings for lost cafe even in nigeria yeah well we found out that the private screens weren't bad my brother and i would not even lie saying it openly for other producers to do you cannot you don't need to kill yourself to put, have your favorite in the cinema we didn't make so much we didn't actually make money from lost cafe but lost cafe helped us to learn a lot yeah. Los Cafe is also helping me understand how I should treat my second feature film. Even, even Urban Face.
2: Yeah.
1: Everybody's looking for content, though. Every single channel is looking for content. But when the content arrives, the same people who are looking for content begin to do Nyanga. Yeah. You're calling them ten times a day. They're telling you back and forth stories. And the in-between man wants you to pay a certain amount of money that you don't even have to pay for uh-huh. your film to TV that they will enjoy eventually because when when they have such content and adverts are played on it, they are the ones who enjoy more than you, the filmmaker. Yeah. So nobody looks at it. At the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? Let's put it on YouTube. I just released it on YouTube yeah. recently and people are beginning, like, we, we're doing, trying to run promos for Urban Face and we're beginning to see the response of people and I'm like, do you know what Nigerian broadcasters are doing, they're actually losing their audience and also losing uh, content providers. Yeah. Because when you keep saying no, 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 YouTube, at the end of the day, has provided a platform that people have moved to. Yeah. You won't believe. I mean, see, Blessing there I'm, I'm actually, I had, the, like, I had the honor of meeting her at Ama. And when we were talking, I remember her telling me, uh, my sister, I don't move my content, go YouTube. Go and see what, how many followers she has, how many views she gets. Yeah. Because one TV house has refused to allow her and so the others too are not. And by the way, let's not forget, these TV houses don't even pay for your content. They always want to go for partnership. They don't allow, they don't pay for content. Yeah. Do you know when you discuss this outside in Norway, and people are like, what? How can they take your content and not pay for it? I'm like, that is what amazes me.
0: It's a very strange industry.
1: It's a very strange industry. But do you know what? It's also good they're doing what they're doing. Because what they've made filmmakers realize is that we also have control of our content. Let's go look for how we can spread our content. Yeah they've only given more 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 rights to us and i feel at the end of the day they will all, all their stations i'm not saying this because i'm wishing them bad or anything but it is the reality people are moving to online people are creating their own platform people are like youtube is a whole different world right now yeah and you go there you just google nigerian it's all over the place and not just nigerians are watching it you have different parts of the world watching nigerian content. so i actually feel bad for broadcasters because they continue doing this they're actually losing people but yes uh truly i used to say content is key but i think after all of these experiences i would actually say distribution is key in you a producer figure out how you want to distribute your film before you start it
0: you know congrats on the Ama nominations you guys got and the wins and also for the film festival screenings (laughs) Can you talk about like the opportunity that film festivals provide for you to like find other like distributors for your uh, content?
1: Uh truthfully, I mean I, I I did attend film festivals before we did Lost Cafe, but I didn't even know how how huge and how good that can play a big role in your film. Yeah. And and that really happened with the Lost Cafe. Uh when we started so of course we started <laughs> All of us do, they try now. You wanted to go to cards you wanted to go to TIFF, you wanted to go mm-hmm. to this. And, well, and then we did try all of that. Yeah. And then on the second thought, I can't even remember, I think Kenneth and myself sat down and discussed. And something popped in our head we're like, okay, why don't we try African film festivals, Black film festivals, Women Film Festivals? Do you yes. understand? And then that was the strategy we did. And when we used the strategy, I wouldn't even lie to you, it would became boom. We just kept getting selected 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 yeah. selected because a lot of the festivals needed this kind of content and when we went to such places we also found other people who were interested in uh, uh, because we got an international distributor a german company called rush lake yeah uh, a distribution company <coughs> they're actually a sales agent right yeah. uh but uh, yeah they, so they sell to other distributors uh but they also have a a mini-distribution platform that they started. And this, you know, these people also put us in good light. And then the festivals, I won't even lie, uh, the fe- with the festival, we've actually been able to screen in over 30 countries.
0: That's impressive.
1: Yes, and yeah. I'm so grateful for that. Thank you very much, I'm so grateful, because it's unbelievable. And one of the uh, countries that we had the most screening, you won't believe, is the US. Yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of festivals in the U.S. Uh, uh, picking the film, and even the platforms also in the U.S.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, in the U.K., interestingly, we didn't really get selected in the U.K. I don't remember. Yeah, we didn't get selected in the U.K. But we did, of course, Nigeria. And I was, I was very happy with uh, the Nigerian selections as well. They're really... Festivals that I I am proud of, you know, you know, you have the Afriif, you had Real Time Film Festival, you yeah. had uh, um, Duma. um, you had, uh, I, I can't remember. We had a couple of festivals in Nigeria, but but particularly Afriif and and Real Time, I'm super proud. These are very prestigious prestigious festivals that, you know, if you have your film screened, you know that okay, it's a real deal. Yeah. Uh, uh, we had in Ghana. We had a. I mean, even, can you imagine? We had a film screened in Rwanda. It was
2: awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the Machine Film Festival. Yes, yeah. and then and then a couple of other festivals. In fact, we had it in Mexico as well, where we won an award. I I think the uh, Mexico selection helped us realize how how far your film can travel in festivals and, and audiences that you never expect yeah. that, you know, your your film can go to. So I would actually advise filmmakers, when you have your film, do try to do festival rounds. before it, You know, for us, we had actually thought of doing festival rounds before even taking it to the cinemas, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And, and so we already knew, but we didn't know that it would go this, like we didn't know we would get so many selections, really. I'm super, I'm super proud of, of how far we've, we've managed to go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so please filmmakers don't even waste time. Send your films. There's so many festivals out there. Uh, we just record, we just register. I can tell, tell this here, people who don't know about Film Freeway, you can go ahead and register on Film Freeway. It gives you a, like thousands of festivals all over the world. Yeah. They, they, yes and they're trustworthy some of them you pay for of course some of them are free um, and then of course when you're thinking if you already plan this ahead have that budget yeah in your entire budget for production have in festival budget as well where you're going to they're not that expensive I mean the expensive ones are actually the big ones the smaller festivals you know you have $20 here $30 there uh ten dollars, five dollars, and some of them are like I say, most of like the African film festivals, a lot of them were actually free
2: yeah. for
1: us to see yeah. Yeah. But one of my best festivals I would always like I because at this I also attended was the Silicon Valley African Film Festival. Okay. I mean that is a festival that you felt at home as a filmmaker. Everything was about the filmmaker. Yeah. You know went, the year I went, we had the opportunity to went to the head the YouTube headquarters. and had a whole afternoon with them they took us to the different segments of how YouTube works they call it the YouTube campus actually and it was amazing it was really amazing Uh, a very unforgettable experience so you know you get I mean and that's what festival brings for you too you go to different festivals you get opportunity of meeting other filmmakers you get opportunity of attending different industry sessions and you know it depend on where, which country you are. Like in in this case, Silicon, we we went to the Silicon Valley itself. So we saw, we did see uh, YouTube, but we also saw like we didn't go into the Google office, but you know we yeah. saw the Google from a distance. Like I mean, YouTube is under Google, right? So
2: yeah,
1: and then we're all feeling angry, you know, like <laughs> I see also- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that was really that. Yeah. So those are the experiences you get from festivals. It enriches you as a filmmaker, and I think also motivates you because when next you're doing your film, you also have an idea of how far your film can reach, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And then uh, I think financially, some festivals also uh, pay for screening, not all festivals, but financially as, you can also get uh, paid uh, from from festivals. Um, they might not be as huge as, as what do you call it, cinemas, But I know know some filmmakers who actually don't stress themselves. Like in Europe, a lot of people know that taking your film to the cinema is huge, right? It's only in Nigeria that we all think that, ah, no, my film must go cinema for it to get recognition, right? But in Europe, a lot of people don't even stress themselves for cinemas. They just do their films and send them to festivals. And the money they get back are just based on festivals and distribution. We can also begin to think in that direction where, you know, the autonomous power that goes into the cinema is reduced a bit it also makes the cinema sit up, right? Yeah. Because then they realize that, okay, we can't have only one, one type of film in a cinema because most of these filmmakers anyway are sending their film to other platforms.
0: Yeah. How important is government in all this? Like, even with the funding, you know, I think the biggest impact that can be made is with government support, that's with funding, and also with setting up co-production treaties. You know, just yeah. making it easier to shoot co-productions with yeah, with other countries. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I completely agree. In fact, that's a huge step. I won't even lie. A lot of upcoming filmmakers don't have money. So grants are very, very important and essential. We don't we know that film production anyway is a huge investment.
0: Yeah. But
1: then what happens? if government if for example you say your film is I remember uh, I have a talk show as well. It's yeah. good that I know now, so I'll invite you on my talk show. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and uh, on In Depth, I had a really brilliant young actor slash film producer called Moses. Yeah. Uh, he's on Sugar. So when I, I just... I was just... that I, I wouldn't even lie. I was interviewing him, but I was both amazed and shocked at, at the way he spoke that day. Because the, the topic that he was surviving the industry as a young filmmaker.
2: Yeah.
1: And he said, yes, everybody in Nigeria just pushes it. When well, so when I was asking him about budgeting is like, and I was like, and ehm, you know, when I think of a uh, gorilla production budget is like 10 million, he looked at me say said, which 10 million? Who has 10 million to, to give a, a, a filmmaker to shoot here? Yeah. People are talking about 3 million, 4 million, 2 million, 1 million. And when he said it, you know the thing really crushed my heart because when you think about it when you look at some of this because I've actually seen his work yeah and I was so impressed and then when you think that the government can actually do just imagine they hold the money that is being splashed on cars and all of these things just given into film production do you know how many households will be fed yeah. through that because it means that from what he said if you make a simple calculation we 3 million or 4 million, which I actually feel is still really sad because then you're paying your crew members very low.
2: Yeah.
1: But even if you were to give 10 million to eat production, do you know you've given 10 people out of 100 million, You're giving 10 productions. And then the person cannot still source other funding. Yeah. Another thing, for example, that they do in Norway, the government set up a lot of little film bodies. Right? Yeah. And then they bought cameras to these film bodies and when you want to shoot, you can actually apply to these film bodies to get free cameras free equipment if Nigeria does that, do you know how many quality films will be coming out? but we don't do that, right? Yeah. everything in our production is paid for from scratch to finish and yet, we still produce 200 and something films a week this is ridiculous Yeah. now imagine how the industry will boom if they if actually the government gave support and then for me when I talk of government I don't mean only federal government each yeah. state can actually support each state can actually put certain funding out for films what would you do get people there if they want to shoot to access the fund they should shoot in the state
2: yeah
1: what does that do? It builds it is not it's not even beneficial only to the people but also to your own economy. Yeah because if you one million. You have employed people. The minimum on a fifth set is what? Twenty people. Then if you get plenty money, you can get people reach like sixty and above, baby Yeah. So say, let's say for example, a Kulia polanya set. Because Kulia polanya is one of the big How many people do we think to be on this set? Probably minimum eighty people. Now calculate eighty people times how many how many sets that we actually can have. Or let's say even Kemi Adetiba. She will not have less than 80 people on her set. Or jades film. Mm. So, what the government, I think, have not realized is that they, them funding film is actually empowering a lot of employment yeah. in the economy. Because film does not deal with only people who, who actually went to film school, right? If you're building construction, you can actually work with serious construction people.
2: Yeah,
1: You can work with Surveyors, you can work with, you know, Mama put way just getting business now. She be you need to eat on set. You have employed that period of time. So, for me, I know that we all go about saying policies, policies. I completely agree with policies, but I also feel like it's because the government doesn't really know the benefit of what film can bring to the entire economy. Yeah, they know, like they know, but they don't understand. Because it's not like they don't hear how much film goes to the economy,
2: Yeah.
1: but I feel like they don't understand it yet, Yes. and that's why they haven't made those policies. Well, Jonathan, good did. I don't know whether he understood it, but when he gave those funding, it did help a lot. Now, statistically, I don't know how many people who were able to get the funding, whether they actually used the money, but at least me, I'm one of the people who used that money. Yeah. We give credit to them, and we anywhere we go, we still mention it, that we got funding from Project and and um, To Be Candid, that's the first ever and last since <laughs> that we ever got it
0: for
1: Yeah. You know? But then, you know, but then, To Be Candid, even just getting that funding and trying to apply for other funding, even outside of Nigeria, do you know that helped a lot? Because we always wherever we went, we're like, oh, we got funding from the government of Nigeria. Yeah. And it, it gave it gave a certain level of respect uh-huh. and a certain level of assurance to the people out there that okay, but the government has already supported this project, then it's a good project. Yeah. When you talk about co-production, it's it's even very easy because when you get whether it's state government or whatever, you call it government, right? Yeah. And you come out here and you're asking for people to co-produce with you, eat. Helps you even within Africa. That's why you see South African productions the way they are because they have funding that are given to their filmmakers. Uh-huh. And then when they go out to also look for co production, you see the value, you see their quality, the production value of their films. It's on a different level. Even, do you know, even Kenya production is on a different level. Even Kenya. Yeah. Meanwhile, we, we even have more money in Nigeria. <laughs> so I think. That I don't know how we're going to be able to explain it to government to understand it, but I think they need to wake up. I understand that we're all about oil, but to be candid with your entertainment is the current oil boom in the world. And the earlier, I don't know whether it's earlier, we're already late. I mean, you can also see with Korea. Korea strategically, South Korea went strategically for the entertainment culture. Where are they now. Maybe all of us, they cr- scramble, they watch Korean movies and, and their K-pop and music and this and that.
0: Exactly. But the
1: government invested into it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, so. I think um something we're missing is, like, the tends, everybody tends to just be on their own, doing their own thing. But what might help is, you know, the industry kind of forming lobby groups that, you know, you're, you're yeah. going as a group of people, you're putting pressure on government. It's hard. Right now, for Nigerian government to listen to people, but there's more credibility with the group of people rather than just individuals. Yes. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, it's not all about and, and the competition. I, the
1: information flow is a problem within us in the industry. Yeah. Uh, I I get some information. I should be able to let you sell know that. Oh, okay. Do you know what I found out? Like for me, the moment I found out about film industry, you can, the people around me. I started telling them film festivals rather. As yeah. I'm telling them, by the way, do you know you can go, you can, uh, you send your film. And the few people who listen to me have come back with feedback. Like, oh my God, I, 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 agree with you. My film has gone to this person, has gone to, and that puts credibility on you, but also makes you get international recognition as a filmmaker. Yeah. I feel that even within us as film, as an industry, we need to help ourselves more. I mean, we've gone, which we have gone past this whole, no, I get the information I heard it. That is stupidity. Yeah. what are you holding it for you can never make all the films in the world anyway never you can never get the, i I don't have the idea that Sele has anyway in terms of storytelling
2: yeah
1: so i think just like you rightly said if we are more together it also makes it easier to approach the government and have concrete plan we can't go there and where we don't even have a plan we need to have concrete plan
0: what's the top the top thing you want um to change in in this industry for it to grow and be better
1: god that's a very difficult question so <laughs> don't set me up oh, don't set...
0: just one thing
1: personally i think we should treat our crew better yeah uh as a producer i feel like we don't treat our crew in fact the, the sad one for me is when i hear people work and they don't get paid
2: yeah
1: and and we all know how hectic a film set is I mean, if you if you spent all the money to pay the artist, why weren't you thinking about the crew member when you were thinking of? I mean, it is, the film process itself is not only about the actor. Yeah, it's not, about, it's not only about. Do you understand? I, I feel if there's anything I really, really strongly want to change is we need better treatment of our crew members. That is for me number one point. So far, we know that we don't, you know, we, we're still struggling to get the recognition of the government all of that. But for those of us who are already working in the industry and have uh, uh, this fund, that access to funding, mm. more than even saying, okay, let's help upcoming filmmakers. All of that is there. But the existing ones, how are we treating them? How are we treating... It's is it not? Is it not if I'm being treated well before I even say, oh, let me advise my younger one to come and join it. Yeah. I feel that... I don't know how we're going to do it. But I think even body, the bodies that exist, I don't know how they work in favor of the crew. Yeah. Where if you don't get paid, you can actually get justice because it's not right. But then sometimes when you think about it, even the government doesn't pay people who work. So then you're you're just wondering it's not a messed up system, but that shouldn't yeah. even be an excuse. Yeah. You know, that shouldn't be an excuse. You call people to come and do your job, your film goes out there. Yes, sometimes the film is successful, sometimes it's not. But I mean even big production, I've heard stories of big productions that that people didn't get paid and that's actually very sad. Yeah. So for me I would strongly advise that um for me, at least in my own set I try my best. Yeah. I tell okay, even if I negotiate five naira with you, I would make sure I pay you the five naira. I would tell you frankly
0: from the beginning uh,
1: yes that I don't have more than 5 naira so you made the decision to come and work for 5 naira but and what does what does that mean is that I paid you I wanted to be even me too to be satisfied that I was able to give this person but not that I would tell you two, 20 naira and at the end of the day I don't even pay you 5 naira yeah it's really sad so i i, I would that's for me it's a it's a disturbing uh, matter in the industry and I hope that we can you know start, like solve it
0: yeah maybe maybe um the guilds and the um unions maybe that's a step in the right direction you know
1: mm.
0: but we don't but even it's... know
1: the, what is existing do yeah. you even know i mean you, for example
0: uh... yeah i know I know some guilds but They are not about the individuals. It's more about the politics and how they interact with government. That's what I've noticed. Uh, But um, uh, You know, we need to focus on the right things.
1: Yes. I mean, you are calling people to set you're not paying them. And then you are struggling to go and get government. It doesn't even make sense. And like you said, we, we, we have to focus on the right things. You Can't bring people on set, you don't feed them, you don't do right, and then next time you expect that people come. And sadly, because of the way Nigeria, everybody is always hopeful. We are just a hopeful bunch of people. Yeah. Even when person you don't go, person said they don't pay you. The next time person calls you go you still go there again. Yeah. And and that's where I feel bad. Because sometimes too, so as individuals, we should stand for ourselves too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Apart from this field, yes, let's stand for ourselves. Let's try our best to make sure that we're treated right. Yeah. Yeah. so that would be my one major contribution I would like and like I said I, I did that through starting with my own production yeah. I try my best to make sure that I pay people I feed them properly on set uh, and like I said I don't like to differentiate I feel everybody's equal I don't want to don't want to do an um, actor is superior to this and you con- don't come on my set and you talk rudely to my crew you don't do that it's yeah. not allowed Mm -hmm. yes
2: okay
1: let's all respect ourselves
0: how can people find you
1: my production company is uh peridot entertainment and uh but then they can reach me on instagram i do check instagram quite often what's your handle at regina odalo
0: (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah
1: i'm on twitter as well so facebook and instagram i do check those ones quite often and uh yeah, f- Facebook is uh, Regina. You have to put edu before the Udalo. If you if you type Regina Edu, then I then it pops up.
0: Okay, and um, where can people watch um this your new TV show Urban Face Makeup Sure.
1: Okay, so we um we have it on Afroland TV, uh, which is something I would have uh, uh I forgot to mention when I was talking about distribution. They actually a a strictly African, uh, Pan-African uh, VOD,
2: yeah,
1: or the OTT now, yes. Um, and so you have it there. You can actually be watched there. It's one. Uh, it's a free trial, one month, so you can register, but then you don't get only to watch Urban Face, right? You there's Lost Cafe there as well, and then you can watch other films. Okay. From all, all over Africa. They have very good collection all over Africa, actually. Yeah. Then, uh, right now, we're releasing it on YouTube. And like I said, uh, you know YouTube wasn't because of the money. Uh, we're planning our season two. Uh, so we need people, more Nigerians, to watch it, which uh, we wished that we had had it on regular TV. But unfortunately, we didn't uh, manage to get signed on anyone. Yeah. So we decided to it on YouTube. Uh, so that people get to see it and then it becomes easier for them to uh, for those who want to participate we already have gotten a lot of interest and so uh, but season two would be happening we'll be shooting next year
2: yeah
1: and uh, we're doing auditions this year so people can just continue checking our our social media sites yeah to get the information on when auditions are starting yeah
2: okay so
1: yeah, that's where we have uh, Lost Cafe. We have it. I think we have it on Showmax from the last time I checked. Okay. But I can assure you, the the show um, it's an interesting one. Not because I did it, but <laughs> we've also <laughs> gotten feedback from those who have watched it. Uh, it being on Afroland TV, luckily, you know, it gives it gives room for the diaspora to watch. So we've gotten a lot of feedback as well from from that angle. Yeah. Of uh, you know, interest on on you know it's a, it's it's also uh, a show that you see only black people on screen. Yeah. For the diaspora market, that was very interesting for them to see only black black people on screen. And most of these other shows, you get a mixture, right? You get some contestants are, are black, some are white. But yeah. this one, all contestants, all models, everything, the judges, everybody is black. Yeah. And so, um uh, it's interesting. I also think it has potential to go further. So of course we're looking for more sponsorship for season 2 uh as well. That's another thing I think um upcoming filmmakers can begin to think about too, the diaspora market. Yeah.
2: Um
1: let's let's be let's be smart. Like I said, uh in the way we distribute. Um and also I think Africa generally, you know sometimes we don't think about it but there are other african countries right I, i've always wondered why we don't think about distributing and thinking of ghana okay well ghana is closer so it's easier yeah. but like or um what do you call this uh you know the whole of east africa you have uganda you have this, this. why don't we think of distribution within the african system
2: yeah
1: uh, which i feel is huge on its own and if if we so these government policies all go back to the same thing you're saying right because even co-productions can happen within two african countries yeah but then we don't think about those kind of things most times and if we can do that i think that would be very good for us
0: thanks regina for coming on the podcast thank
1: you so much you had really great questions and i hope you can come on my show as well
0: yeah definitely i'll be waiting for the invitation
1: perfect i would i would definitely let you know
0: yeah We have come to the end of this episode. Please remember to leave a rating and a review. You can send in your feedback on social media. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Selegof Film and the podcast also on Instagram and Twitter at The Niger Film Pod. See you on the next episode. Have a good one.